Hey, James. Great to talk to you. Wanted to do a podcast with you this time of year because it feels like a bunch of test scores have gotten released uh, recently. We had state, then we had national, and then we had international. Mm -hmm. And they all came within like a month of each other. And I thought because in about three weeks, it's going to be 2020, it'd be a great time to revisit what Missouri had aspired to, I don't know, 10 years or so, when they said that when those scores came out last two weeks ago, we were going to be in the top 10, right? Yeah, so so it's great to be back with you. I always enjoy these conversations. It's you know, fun to invite the listeners into to. Uh, we're talking about it right, anyway. Right, we talk about this stuff <laughs> anyway. This is like a normal conversation, but we'll invite listeners in to hear what we're talking about. So, you know, when Chris Nicastro was the the uh, I can't think of the right word. I want to say chief superintendent, but that's not what Education we use. Education commissioner. Here. The commissioner here in Missouri. She launched this initiative through with the approval of the Missouri State Board of Education, and it was the Top 10 by 2020 initiative or plan. And the, the goal was that by 2020, that the state would be in the top 10 states in the country in terms of the NAEP performance, the National Assessment of Educational Progress. Right? Also called the Nation's Report Card. So just to make it clear... It, that test is given in every state every other year to a representative sample of students mm-hmm. so that they don't change the test. Everyone gets the same one, and you can compare from one state to the other. So when our MAP test is getting switched around in Common Core, not Com- it doesn't matter. This thing stays the same. Right. And and they said using that, that we would be top 10. Yeah, We're top 10 by 2020. That, nice. I mean, that was the goal. And, it's time and, to check and, in, I think. Well, don't don't look, don't try to Google too much. You won't find anything because, uh, as you said a moment ago off air, that Desi has basically purged this they from have. their website. It's hard to find anything on the top 10 initiative. But the idea was they had, they had these four areas. They said all Missouri students will graduate college and career ready. All Missouri children will enter kindergarten prepared to be successful in school. Missouri will prepare, develop, and support effective educators. And the Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, DESE, will improve departmental efficiency and operational effectiveness. And all of these four principles were to lead us into the top, you know, into the promised land, the yes. top 10 by 2020. They sound a little jargony to me, but you know. <laughs> I mean, but they had, they had specific things that they were going to do. They had targets, they had goals, they had objectives, all these things that they were going to do. And somewhere along the line, it was sort of funny they just went off the rails with it or they just completely jettisoned it without any fanfare and it was just gone. Right. They, <laughs> so, so let's, um, they gave up well before 2020. Let's not make anyone wait any longer. Right. In we, fourth grade this year, reading and math, we were what? Well, I, you know, I didn't count from the top. I know. I counted from the bottom. Oh, yeah. We were, yeah. So from the top, we we're 34th from the so, bottom 16th. So, so, so we're almost to the bottom 10 yeah. by 2020. And in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, we were actually up like 15th in fourth grade reading and uh, 22nd in math. And now we have just slowly fallen. And the test scores actually have come up a little bit. And maybe if you focus on that, you might feel pretty good. Right. But everybody else's, all the rest of the states have just come up faster. Right. Yeah. I mean, you look at all almost all the assessments were dropping over time. We're, we're getting close to the bottom 10 in both fourth grade reading and math. You know, we're in the bottom 20 in, in eighth grade uh, reading and math. I mean, things, we're heading in the complete wrong direction. I'm sure you've seen this on like a, a Saturday Night Live skit or mm-hmm. somewhere where there's like a chart and it's going the wrong direction and the person just flips it over right, and says, right. look, yeah. <laughs> we did it. Like, that's what we've done. We, we had a chart in our minds that showed us going upwards and hitting in the top 10. 
and we've somehow flipped it. It went in the completely wrong direction and are almost in the bottom 10 in all these areas. And it's just, it's funny. I mean, they saw the writing on the wall a few years ago. That's why they purged. That's why they purged and they dropped the top 10 by 2020. They knew it wasn't going to happen. So I think people could get the impression, or maybe I've been accused of this, of like having this hostile relationship towards Desi and that I've got an axe to grind with them. And I don't. I mean, that's, I don't have anything um, beyond like this evidence, you know, which is to say there is this intense defense of a system that we keep finding more and more information about is not working. And so they circle the wagons around a mediocre to failed system. They protect the status quo that isn't working. And that's what really frustrates me. Mm -hmm. There's a ballot initiative right now to keep lock everything into place so that no matter what in the future, we won't won't be trying like innovative, big ideas like other states like Mm -hmm. Florida. They're they're top 10. They started, (laughs) they were in the 43rd and 46th spot in the late 90s. They're now fourth and sixth. They're top 10 by 2020. Well, you know, you know what they've done in Florida, right? I mean, lots and lots of school choice. Yeah. And, and didn't Mississippi just get into like top two or something in reading? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, lots of states. Mississippi's who you got a really like innovative superintendent of education. Yeah. They, they have a woman and she's part of Chiefs for Change. And like, you know, it's not an individual thing, but it's just like even in, you know, national elections, it's become like a litmus test to be against school choice. And the, that's just protecting a failing system, and I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, when it, I mean, when it comes to this, this top 10 by 2020 initiative, when I look back at, at all the stuff that they said they were going to do and what they tried to do, I, I think this is just a big failure of of a political failure. You know, they, they put in place ideas that they had no control over. I mean, like getting 50% of the kids into pre-K. Well, first off, Desi can't do that without the legislature approving, you know, students sure. going to these pre-K, pre-K programs. They put in place lots of things that they don't really have control over. They also tried to push forward on things where they didn't have the will of the people, like jumping into Common Core and signing up for Common Core as a part of this initiative without really checking the temperature right. of the legislature, of the people. And then we, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know how that turned out. Yeah. I mean, you, you probably know that you know, we pushed back on Common Core and Common Core is gone yeah. uh, from Missouri. But what happened in that whole process? Well, we used to have, Missouri used to have the highest, um, among the highest standards in the country. That's right. When you look at how we tested our students compared to how they performed on the NAEP, the difference between them, you know, our state assessment was very high. So some state assessments, you know, a state might have, say, 40% of students proficient advance on the NAEP, but in their state test it would be like 60%, yeah. right? Or their state test was really easy. And so when you looked at those types of assessments, everyone used to say Missouri, Massachusetts, California, we were yeah. among the top three on math and language arts. Well, we just did away with all of that. We, we, we went to the Common Core standards, brand new tests. We had in place teacher licensure assessments, which I'm not even a fan of teacher licensure assessments. But yeah. the idea was, oh, we're going to improve the profession by jettison, jettison I can't even say that word, jettisoning. Ning. <laughs> Ning, thank you. Yes. Uh, the praxis, which was you know, a test used in lots of different states, we're going to create our own. We're going to make it more rigorous. And what we saw happen was they get rid of the praxis, put in place new state assessments for all teachers, passage rates drop precipitously, then they make the tests easier, right? yeah. and, and, and they go through all these changes to the assessments. And we've seen just all these different failed attempts to do things that 
don't move the needle not at the, all. Not at all. And I think you've got a blog about this. There was an analysis done uh, from NAEP two years ago to NAEP four years ago, or in recent past. Missouri was the only state that had lowered their standards. Every right. other state has been continuously sort of raising their standards. Missouri was the only, it's like, there's a map in the United States. Every state's green, we're red, because we're the only state that lowered our standards. And this year, when the um, state test came out, the MAP test, and we're always like just under 50% proficient math and reading. It's consistent for a long, long time. We can't get up over 50%. There was a consideration to maybe report on basic and above just so that the number could be higher. Like, just, <laughs> and that's, it's that kind of stuff. Like, we're not actually doing anything. We're just kind of moving things around. And the thing that makes me, that, you know, keeps me up at night is the idea that DESE is saying 512 out of 518. 18 school districts are fully accredited. Mm-hmm. So that is a, that's suggesting that there's no problem here. And when you look at the national numbers, there's a problem. We are dropping and dropping. So they're saying everything's fine. Don't worry. Keep us in charge. Let us know. Let us handle it. And it's not, you know, what they're doing. There's, it's not working. Right. It's like it's that scene from Animal House where where uh, he's standing there yelling, everything's fine. Well, there's like a fire. Don't everyone's, panic. <laughs> don't panic. When you look at what's happening in the state, and we've got this constant turmoil of assessments, and and they're just changing all sorts of things, and sure. nothing seems to be working. And hap- uh, and like you said, it seems like they're obfuscating lots of yeah. uh, of performance data. Saying how schools are really doing, mm-hmm. and then you look nationally, what's going on in terms of our our country slipping further and further behind in terms of performance of other places. Yeah, uh, and people are sitting, oh, don't panic, everything's yeah. fine. When things things aren't fine, and I think this goes to your point about. You know, states really doing interesting things. I mean, if you if you follow education, we've been talking about some of these problems for a long time. Long time. <laughs> right? I mean, you can think back to to even the nation at risk in the eighties, yeah. which led to a lot of the standards based reform. Yeah. Uh, even earlier than that, after Sputnik. I mean, we've been talking about the challenges with STEM, or math, they didn't call it STEM probably then, but. You know, we need more math and science. We need more math and science. And, and a, a nation at risk. What I loved was that if an it says in there, it's a very short report, if another nation had imposed upon us the system of public education we've imposed upon ourselves, we would consider it an act of war. Right. right? <laughs> it's really strong right. It's really bad. Right. That was the rising tide of mediocrity. I think Missouri is still in the rising tide of mediocrity, right? I mean... Well, it, se- it seemed like, you know, we, we tried, we, th- we thought we put in place these tough standards in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. and then we just completely abandoned them. Uh, but... But with all of that, I mean, the the especially the the reliance or I mean, the push for STEM and math and science and all these sorts of things, not to mention, you know, reading and all, other stuff that's important. But we've been talking about this problem for decades. And yet we do things almost exactly the same as we've always done them. Yep. Like in terms of bold reforms. What about paying some math and science teachers more money right? Right. rather more than more than the the. Uh, first grade teacher or yeah. the kindergarten teacher or whatever, whatever teacher. I don't want to pick on teachers. I was a first grade teacher myself. But but I mean know. something similar to what they could earn uh, not working in a public school, right. right? So if you've got strong math skills and you want to teach, but you can get twice as much doing something else, then you're going to probably do something else. Yeah. And Desi's solution. So Desi says, hey, we've got a teacher shortage. Um, let's make it harder to become a teacher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, wait a second. You're, you're putting in place reform strategies that hurt us, that don't help us. By simply just trying to make a test harder, mm-hmm. and then they saw how that failed, and then they made it easier. Right? Mm-hmm. So, the you know these are just really failing strategies. We're doing the same sorts of things over and over again, not doing anything bold. Uh, and I think that you know that's that's where 
we need to see some changes. We it's really doing something do. doing something new, doing something like Florida. You're the expert of Florida. You tell us what Florida's been doing. Well, they have a whole host of scholarship programs. They have six or 700 charter schools, but they also have scholarship programs for kids who are behind, kids who are low income, students with disabilities, students who are bullied, students who aren't reading on grade level in grades three to five. They just have a, a, a whole host of programs that parents can um, select from. And so about half of parents in Florida are using some form of school choice. And again, they are top 10 by 2020. And they went from way behind us yeah. to way ahead of us. And uh, I'm not saying it's causal that it's because of that, but they have bold ideas. They have been putting letter grades on schools since the 90s. And I know that that isn't always a popular idea. It's certainly there's no stomach for it in Missouri, apparently, because we don't want to point out the DNF schools. <laughs> well, if I have a kindergartner starting school for the next 12 years, I would like to know if that's a D school or an F school. And in Florida, one of their earliest school choice programs was no student has to attend a D or an F school more than three years. At the end of three years, you could leave. Initially, you could go to a private school, but now you can only the teachers union sued and won to make sure the kids had to stay in the D and F schools. But how th dare they leave? I know. Exactly. Because we're, you know, then it makes the school even worse. Well, this is my one shot at this. I don't want to put my kindergartner into a D or an F school, but there's no appetite that for that kind of real frank and real, you know, accountable system in Missouri. So we're just going to keep getting these numbers and they don't even give numbers anymore. It's colors. It's just the, the color <laughs> thing with the words. I wonder what color my kid's school is. Yeah. And so we're going to get the color bars, the color charts. And um, and that makes it even harder to know how your kid's school is doing. And that's where I really want to push on DESE, the School Board Association, the Superintendent Association, all of those people is they should be the ones who are leading the charge to get mm -hmm. really good information about the schools and make sure everyone has it. That's how you know where you need to really focus your efforts. And they are continuing to say every district, just about every district in the state is fine. Yeah. I, I wonder in, in Missouri, compared to Florida, Florida has 60-something school 67, districts. 67, yeah. We have over 500 school districts. Yes. And they have a lot more students. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, the they're – it seems to be like on the coast, the states often will have county lines as their school district. Yeah. But in the middle of the country, there's still this this um, uh, really high number of school districts in each state. And as you know, we've talked about this, a lot of that was done because groups of parents wanted to wall off their kids and make sure no one could come in. Mm -hmm. And so in um, St. Louis County, we've got 50-some school districts in one county, right. almost as many as the state of Florida has. And a lot of that <laughs> is just like carving off my neighborhood and my, you know, like just carving off and carving right. off. And so you end up with, within one county, dramatically different school systems from Ferguson to Ladue. Like it's dramatically different within yeah. one county. And that's because you let people create all these little boundaries, I think. I, I wonder if it, <clears throat> if the system that we have, we have created it so that it, it insulates the system from any type of change. I mean, you have yeah. all these little school districts. <laughs> so you have uh, a lot of a lot of elected school board members. You have a lot of superintendents. Yep. You have a lot of political power because they're, they're smaller. In many of the smaller rural communities, they're the biggest employer. Sure. And then also the way that our commissioner and our state board of education are are put into place, that it sort of insulates them from reform. You look at, again, going back to Florida, I don't know if you saw the story about the superintendent in uh, in Miami that was it ran in education next and i basically he said we knew school choice was coming we decided to embrace it completely and, they want to be was, known for it it was an amazing story and you look at the the students and i'm forgetting the percentages but you know the majority of students i believe it was 
are in a choice school, whether that's a charter school or a district school or whatever type Doesn't of school. Yeah. They choose the types of schools and that 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 uh, choice and competition, but not just competition. I think a lot of educators get afraid of that word, but sure. it's the idea of me choosing the school that's the best fit and match for my kid where I feel like my kid's getting mm-hmm. uh, served the most. So when you say competition, that feels like, oh, there's some sort of negative yeah. aspect to what we're talking about is meeting the needs of kids. Right, right. right. And and I love that about about Florida. So you've got the Miami-Dade School District, one of the largest school districts in the country, and you got a superintendent saying, hey, we're going to be the choice mecca. Like, exactly. We, we want to make sure we're serving every single family. And then you come here to Missouri and... Nothing. You, you, <laughs> well, we got nothing. Nothing. Well, the one superintendent who tried to do something... Uh, who created the virtual program? Oh my gosh! Uh, to to serve students in other places, uh, he's now retired. But I'm forgetting the name of the school district. You probably remember, but Grandview. Grandview. Well, then then it, the program gets sued. Right? We sue it to say that oh, you can't serve students in other school districts. I mean, so th- this is the difference between us and Florida. You have places that are starting to embrace choice and competition, yep. and and you have places like Missouri where we are, like you said continuing to prop up or, or wall off this system that is mediocre. Yeah, so when you talk about the um, the online schooling, uh, a year or so ago, a law was passed, two, almost a year and a half, signed into law by the governor that every student in Missouri can take a class online if they choose. And it could be because their school doesn't offer it. So the Institute's got papers saying like 30% of our high schools don't offer calculus, you know, and some of the classes required even to apply to the University of Missouri. So great, these kids now can take it online. Or even if you just want to take it online, you can take it online. And, you know, not, especially the rural schools, they're not going to offer all the AP courses. And and if they do, they may not be high quality. So if you want to, you can. And if you want to take everything online, you can. Like, that's the law. And that every school district has to put it front and center on their website and make sure parents know that they have this option now. And that's a good thing. Well, we did a, we, an intern, (laughs) looked at every school district website, love interns, and found (laughs) that out of 520... Is that that cruel and unusual punishment? Um, Out of 520, about 50 had actually put it on their website. And what you're saying is some parents who said, yeah, I'd like to use this program, including the parents of a medically fragile student, they had to sue mm-hmm. to get the access that they are by right allowed to have. And Desi, I think, I don't know, uh, I don't want to impugn motives, but they, they issued some guidance saying to school districts, you know, here's how you can avoid letting your kids take part in this virtual program. <laughs> and they really don't want it. They don't want right. kids to... And, and the only reason I can think of, because it's cheaper and you don't have to offer the class and the kids get to take what they want, the only reason I can think of is is that it is, you know, a little crack in the stranglehold that they have over public education in the state, and they don't want to give up even yeah. that much of it. I mean, what else? Uh, it's so like hard Like you said, I hate to impugn motives or like you hate to... But what else could it be? Why, why else? Why would you say no? It doesn't make much sense. You And again, looking back to Florida, Florida's had this virtual program Forever. for, for, for <laughs> I, at least... I would think over 20 years. Yeah, but I mean, most states do. I was just shocked, completely shocked that Missouri did not have it. I mean, my son's almost 30. He took AP online in high school that the statistics they didn't offer it was in Virginia. Just not a big deal. I just can't imagine that they want to uh, not give kids that option because they right. feel threatened by it. It has to be that they feel threatened by it. I don't know what else it could be. It's It blows my mind. Right. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So there's been, I think, multiple lawsuits. 
So they're they're sort of like you know health insurance companies. They're denying first and then forcing you to uh, make the case that that you get it. And when that is not the intention of the law, and I think the plaintiffs are winning. I mean, the parents yes, they are. are winning every time. I think that um, we know in Missouri that ninety percent of our students, give or take, graduate from high school with a diploma on time. We also know from the state education agency they report this. They reported this in 2017. How to like offer a reward for anyone who can give me the new number? I've looked and looked. I can't find any more recent data. But uh, 42% are ready for either college or a career. So they know that there's like 48% of our high school graduates are not ready Mm -hmm. for college or career. That's the military. That's uh, career and technical education. And that's college. So if I'm commissioner of education and I see those two numbers side by side, I'm like, you know, Stop the bus. We got something wrong here. You know, like we are not doing something right if we know that only half of our graduates are ready for what's next. So, you know, I don't I don't think the third grade program is punitive necessarily, but I know it can be a lot to stomach. But at least Florida said, look, we don't we want to stop this problem before it gets out of control. If they're Mm -hmm. not reading by third grade, let's face it, if you're not reading well, you can't do math not reading well you can't read your science book you know like you it's a fundamental skill so if you don't get reading right everything else starts to um fall apart as well so i give them credit for having the courage to do it i mean yeah they did have a governor who was elected to be an education governor and he had the opportunity maybe he just had the capacity but under a different system to actually enact real reform we just for whatever reason there are many legislators in missouri who want to do real reform but for the most part they aren't successful because there's just big coalitions uh, against it. Mm-hmm. Those, the three I mentioned, teachers, unions, superintendents, and school boards associations. And I just don't think that there is the courage in Jefferson City. They don't, don't even have the courage to um, put now numbers on schools. We used to have numbers. <laughs> got rid of those. Now they just want to do colors and these words that are like things like floor. They're not, they don't make a lot of sense. And now they're not adding them up to one color or word. And so if, unless we have the courage to really look hard at our schools and see which ones are failing, I don't see we'll get any reform. I don't know that you and I will do a podcast in 10 years, but let's just say we do. Somehow, <laughs> some way, we're still doing this 10 years from now. You know, we could be in the 40s. We could be in the very bottom of the list as Arizona. I thought you were going to say in terms of age. I'm like, wait a second, Susan. Well, I mean, I'm sorry on. to tell you. Those are in the rear view. Um, no, Missouri could be like 42nd, 43rd. You know what I mean? As Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, right. New, like all these states that are really trying the big and bold ideas. And we're like, no virtual schooling for our kids. Uh, we could, I, if we keep this up, I'm concerned about where we're headed. Yeah. In terms of DESE, what DESE could do without needing any other uh, authority from the state or anything else number one is do a better job of presenting data yeah. and reporting data step one yes. <laughs> like, yes. put, get, clean up your website so you know make sure that your your charts your reports are clear and you precisely communicate the information that people are looking to you to provide like that's step one yeah. the things that you could do I think step two is, uh, do a better job with the assessment system that we have, mm-hmm. right? The assessment system is ridiculous. And I know part of this starts going back again with Chris Castro and moving to Common Core mm-hmm. and then all the turmoil that came through with different assessments every year where we're getting into a place where we're getting more steady with our assessments. Yeah. They need to improve the quality of the information that people are getting from the assessments, improve the quality of those assessments. Yeah. There's no reason today in or you know maybe in 2020 right that 
that you should have to take a test in uh, April and not get your results until after August. Right. <laughs> like, there is no right. reason for that to happen today. Yeah. We should be getting feedback much sooner. Yeah. We could be moving to a system where we're testing kids at fall and spring on doing yeah. uh, computer adaptive testing. There are all sorts of things that we could be doing, and improving testing should be one of their top priorities. That's right. right? I mean, so I think these two things, and both of those are just related to information, getting information out to parents mm-hmm. and making sure that schools and parents can know how their students are doing, where they're deficient, where they're excelling, all these sorts of things really grainy information where you know gets down to the nitty-gritty details mm-hmm. that's the type of stuff we need but we also need that clear indicator that says yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know so we need better information all around and i'd say get behind virtual schooling because it's the right thing to do and stop taking it personally and seeing it as you know a, a personal uh or i don't know if that's the right word personal fight but like do what's right for parents just because it's the right thing to do and not because it reflects well or poorly on you so yeah, i think that's a, there's our three-step agenda for desi in 2020 is yeah it, i think that's right is, is better presentation of data better collection of data yeah. and more support and uh for for virtual schools i think that's or right virtual options all right well we solved it solved it cool the legislature's got some some work to do too and so hopefully school choice and, and other things could be in there yeah, <laughs> i think so too well great to talk to you i you appreciate too. it and we'll, we'll be doing that podcast in 10 years. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Institute podcast. Find more at showmeinstitute.org.